Well, hello, everybody. It's uh, it's that day again. It is maintenance day. And boy, if anybody te- needs a maintenance day, it is the Buffalo Sabres. They are, they are in the midst of a road trip, which I guess they're going to come home from now because their next game isn't for like three days. But, uh, but that's fine because they could use a break uh, because their old friends, the Toronto Maple Leafs, show up this week. And our pal, our co-host, your friend and mine, Lance Lasowski, is on the road with the team. Lance, hello. How is Dallas? Uh, Dallas is great. Uh, the game wasn't um, in terms <laughs> of just entertainment value for those sitting in the seats, I'm sure. Um, the uh, American Airlines Center, one of the fan cams was showing fans who were eating, which was one of the most disgusting things oh, I've ever seen. No. Don't know what entertainment value there is in, in watching somebody eat. A few people laughed. I don't know how they found humor out of it, but hey, um, the game didn't go well for the Sabres, and neither, well, neither did the first one on this road trip, the one against the Canadians. But, Joe, we'll, we'll get into that one. Yeah, this is, uh, this week has been, uh, it's been interesting, to say the least. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, but I want to, I want to flash back quickly. The, the conversation we had last week about which coaches do you want to see duke it out at some point? And you and I were like racking our brains about who, which two would make the most entertaining fight, like the fight we'd want to see most. And I think we settled on what, uh, Gerard Gallant and Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think those just, were the two. It would be really fun to just watch it. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> but like, uh, I think, I think what we intended to do was the two guys that you'd be most afraid of as coaches to fight Brindamore. <laughs> rod Brindamore, absolutely uh but a good pal of mine uh and mentioned he goes how did you not mention craig baruby yeah as the first i was like oh i was let me tell you how much i swore when they said that <laughs> a and b how how annoyed i was at myself for not thinking of freaking craig baruby because that dude was a terror. He was like, he was the dude you did not want to like wind up on the bad side of like those caps teams. I like Chris Simon and like Dale Hunter. But like, if you wound up on Baruby's radar, man, forget it. Like, forget it, man. Like that was, that's the, that's the worst of those guys to deal with. In all fairness, I really put you on the spot when I asked you that. We didn't talk about, we didn't, we didn't talk about before the podcast. It just, I was thinking about the whole Joel and Howard thing and I would just dropped it on you mid pod. But yeah, Baruby, so who would you who would you pit Baruby against? Because that is that's the best pick. That yeah, I I Baruby Brindamore would be yeah. I mean Brindamore is just a... I, I should look up hockey fights and see if they actually ever fought each other. That, that well Baruby's fight list is going to be nine miles long. So um, and Brindamore played a lot of years even before Philly. I mean he was in St Louis before that. Yeah. And if you played in the Norris Division back in the day, you fought a lot whether you wanted to or not. Because that was a, the Norris division earned it. Like whenever Chris Berman did a, like, you know, the bears would play the lions and they would just play a Norris division battle. And it was like, I mean, a Blackhawks Red Wings game was a lot tougher than any bears lions game back in the day. But, um, but I think like of all the teams that were in the division, like you can pick out a rough neck on every single one of those teams. Like, I mean, Cause you go with Detroit while well, you got Joey Koser and, and Bob Probert. Okay. Well, I don't want to like, you're thinking like, no, nah, I can handle Detroit. No, you can't. No, you, no, you can't. You get Chicago and then take your pick. But like it starts and ends with Stu Grimson when he was a Chicago Blackhawk because Jesus Christ, he was, he was terrible. Like a six foot six giant man of a winger. Ugh. And he was a crazy man back in the day. Like he's a nice, cool, calm, awesome dude these days like he's just he's one of the nicest guys out there and then you pull up a video of him on youtube of him against like the minnesota north stars and the referees are all trying to pull him off of every north star he's trying to beat their head in and you're like okay i what what would you do in that situation i would skate off the ice and leave the arena is what i would do it's absolutely hilarious that gms back then would try to would get multiple like some would get like a handful of guys who could fight. I remember talking to Matthew Barnaby that, of course, when he was in Buffalo, he could, you know, talk to the other team and stand behind Rob Ray a lot of the times and then Razor would be the one who steps in. But then when Barnaby got traded to Pittsburgh, he was the only one on that team. Mm-hmm. And there were so many heavyweights in the league and he would have to go toe to toe with heavyweights. And he didn't win many of those fights. He, yeah. just got, he just got ragdolled a lot of the time. 
I saw, um, was it 2001? We did, uh, I was in college and we did a preseason game in Syracuse and it was a Columbus Tampa Bay preseason game. And Barnaby was with the lightning at that time. The lightning team at like that year was fascinating because it was, well, they had like Nikolai Hobby Bullen, I think was there for his like first season. Kevin Weeks was backing up Hobby Bullen. We got to do an interview with Kevin Weeks in like the locker room, be, like before the start of a period because they, nobody cared. They were just like, yeah, whatever, go have fun college guys. Like enjoy. Yeah. But we, uh, we were going into the room, like we went into the locker room to interview Kevin Weeks mid game, like during one of the intermissions, which is insane. And we're walking past the trainer's room and the first period, somebody took a run at Brad Richards on Columbus. I think it was David Ling, who I don't think he ever played in the NHL, but he played a lot of time in the AHL and he was a notorious brawler, but he took a, like a knee on knee hit on Brad Oof. Richards, who was like a kid he was like maybe 19 or 20 that year and barnaby was on the ice and just made a beeline for him and just started beating the piss out of him because you know <laughs> young kid like you know top prospect kind of guy and but you know richards wasn't hurt in it but like barnaby went in there and like was like that nope not today so we're walking past the trainer's room and barnaby's in there and he's just swearing up a fit and he wanted to get back out there so he could beat beat David Ling's head in again. And he's just like, F this, F that, F that guy, blah, blah, blah. We're just, and like the trainer just clo slowly closed the door as we walked by. He's like, you guys don't need to hear that. That's, that's fine. Like we could see, we could hear it like across the rink. Are you kidding me? Like, please. But yeah, Barnaby was, I mean, listen, he, he made some headlines this week because Sean Avery was a uh, Orlando solar bear for about two days, three days, maybe enough for them to make jerseys. And Barnaby was, very adamant that wherever Avery signed Barnaby was going to sign the, you know, with an opposing team. And I assume try to get after him, which, you know, senior circuit fighting, I guess, but, senior uh, but I, I can't say that too loudly. Barnaby, Barnaby, listen, he's not senior age, but like, you know, he's, he's from a different era of hockey. Let's put it that way. But he, uh, but the fact that he was just like, he's like, yeah, I'll suit up. I don't care. I'm in shape. I'll go get, I'll go after him. I'm like, I don't think Sean Avery was really interested in fighting, fighting the world <laughs> or doing anything of that sort. He was just like, let me go to Florida and play some hockey and putts around. He's like, he's like 41, 42 years old. So he, who cares? But, if you're, if you're trying to sell tickets or like create hype for your ECHL team, I can think of a few better players to sign than Sean Avery. <laughs> Yeah. But like how many of how many players were Vogue magazine interns? Answer me that. Okay. Oh, See? What an insufferable person. He is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But like I love that uh Orlando at least got to like hype up that they were selling jerseys, you know, one day on Twitter, then the next day they're like, Yeah, we've uh Sean Avery's left the the, the, the team. I'm like, oh, Okay, I guess the, the the best part about that was they their tweets about transactions are sponsored by Pizza Pizza Hut. So it was, it was like <laughs> the Orlando Solar Bears, Sean <laughs> <laughs> Avery, you know, sponsored by. And it was really funny because Chris, P our, our our friend Chris Peters, mm -hmm. um, one of the best draft NHL draft analysts out there. Um, he had made a funny comment and said, Sean, even Sean, Sean Avery couldn't out pizza the hut. Which <laughs> was fantastic. Oh man. Yeah. Nobody out pizzas the hut, especially if it's pizza, the hut from space balls, you know, nobody, <laughs> you know, you know, ate himself to death, which, you know, RIP pizza, the hut, but, uh, but yeah, that was, but like, yeah, just to, to, to bring it back though, I, I'm still so mad at forgetting Craig Berube. I'm still, still so mad about that yeah and well rod um, brindamore even too like that's 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 annoying i guess i wanted a senior citizen fight with my choices i have no <laughs> idea what i was thinking but I... <laughs> we could have multiple we could have multiple fight but do a whole fight card honestly we'll turn it into a whole you know off-season night we'll have it in the barn where kevin lowe and brian burke were gonna duke it out the one year where burke was burkey was so pissed at kevin lowe about something and he's so he's like, whatever, we'll fight it out in a barn. Like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, okay, Berkey. Yeah, you got a man. What a thing to say. <laughs> right. And about a guy who has the same job as you with a different team, just to be yeah. like, yeah, no, I'll 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 beat that guy in a barn fight. Like, all right, all right. I don't know how like WWE didn't think of barn fights as like a thing to do, but you know, I'm not part of creative for those things. Anyway, uh 
speaking of stuff where it hasn't gone right, let's let's talk about the Sabers. They've been losing a bit, a bit. I say a bit, but it's been a lot, um, and it's probably not going to get any easier anytime soon because their schedule. Lance, I mean, you have to you have to pay much stricter attention than I do, but like I'm just looking at it right now. The next up until St. Patrick's Day looks and beyond looks awful. <laughs> looks absolutely terrifying. I'll I will list it. This is just a straight list. At Toronto, the, then comes a homestand with Minnesota, Los Angeles, Florida, Vegas, Toronto. Back on the road, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. Pittsburgh and Washington at home, uh, road trip to the Rangers and Chicago, and then I'll wrap it up with Winnipeg, Nashville, and Florida. So that's just and then Carolina after Carolina for a home and home after that. Yeah, and then you're you're, then you're in Florida. Oh my god, it never ends. Then you're in Tampa Bay. Then you're in Toronto. Their schedule, I I saw it's one of the most difficult in the league in the second half of the season. Um, They had it kind of easier in the first half. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that Friday was an interesting one for me in St. Louis because there are some encouraging signs. Yeah. I mean, they, they tie that game against St. Louis in the third period. They played St. Louis tough. Like that was a pretty, a pretty solid showing Um, a couple of turnovers ended up being the difference, but then you go to Dallas and they were flat in the first period and it's going to be a lot of this up and down the rest of the year. I mean, I think they'll catch some teams off guard a bit, you know, you'll catch some teams tired, but I mean, in the end, the record is not going to look good because think mm-hmm. about what they're going to lose at the trade deadline with injuries being what they are, their lineup yeah. might not look what it, like what it is now. It's, it's going to be a tough one for fans to swallow because it's the losing really makes, you know, at least from what I've seen, it makes fans sort of ignore the good, you know, the progress that certain players are making. It's mm-hmm. kind of difficult to get over that with all the same sort of uh, narratives going around the, uh, these losses. Yeah. I mean, their, their loss to Dallas was their sixth straight loss. Yeah. They've lost six in a row. And that schedule coming up, I'm just like quickly going, scanning through my head, like which teams are in playoff spots, which ones are not. And I think the first non-playoff team they play isn't until Vancouver, Vancouver on March 20th. And that's the last game of a road trip right before the trade deadline. Uh, And then they come home for Pittsburgh and Washington. It's like, here, here's Sidney Crosby, Malkin and Ovechkin and have fun. Oh my God. And then after that, like the only, even after that, the only non-playoff teams, it's Chicago, Winnipeg, scanning down quickly, scanning down quickly, Philly twice and the Devils and the Islanders and then Blackhawks at the end of the season. So it lightens up at the end, I guess. Philly aside. Yeah. Philly aside, those other teams, even though they're not in the playoffs, they have enough talent to where Mm -hmm. it's not there's not going to be an easy game. Like the Arizona games are, are over with. You're, you're done with, mm-hmm. with Ottawa, really. So, yeah, the, the big the big part of this is going to be can they stay healthy? Because if they're healthy, then a lot of these young guys are going to be getting experience playing against these top teams. And as we've, as we've seen year after year, the games get a lot more difficult to play in late in the year. So they're tighter, tighter checking. So, and they need to experience that, you know, cousins need to experience that in a normal year. I can keep going on and on. So mm-hmm. got to stay healthy, but like, I understand why people are getting frustrated, you know, especially when a lot of the mistakes we're seeing in some of these games are sort of repeat, you know, been there, done yeah. that. It's uh, and that, that I, I think contributes mostly to the part where people find it very hard to, to focus on anything positive because you see the same mistakes made over and over again. And you're just like, Jesus, this team even practiced. Do they even go over anything? What's their problem? I can't believe nothing is fixed, blah, 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 blah. And that's what leads people to start having the Don Granato's not a good coach conversation. And it's just like, okay, listen, listen, everybody, let's just chill out with that stuff because not true. A B what were you expecting? It goes back to my whole expectations yeah. thing. What were you expecting? this year to be and 
if you were expecting this year to be like one where it was like, well, maybe they'll start off rough and then they'll start challenging. It'll be okay. It's, well, no, a B no, not happening. Not going to be the truth. So like, I, I don't, it, it, it blows my mind that, that people would be, you know, again, people want to win or bad enough. They, they really do. But you go into this year knowing, knowing right away that this team is not going to be very good. And you start having like good seasons from, from Thompson and, you know, Darlene's been playing very well now the last couple of few months. Uh, you know, Skinner's having a bounce back year. Opposo's having a great year. Like all these guys are having really good years, having bounce backs from, you know, after being locked in a pit under Ralph. And instead it's like, well, these guys are doing better. Why are they, weren't they any, why aren't they doing better? And it's like, well, I guess they are because they were freaking awful last year. I know if you recall, they were the worst team in the league. So, you know, there are improvements, but if you're expecting them to jump right into the contention to be in the playoffs, man, you were, you were, you're either obscenely optimistic or you're a fool. Look at the, look at the lineup, compare it to, every, you know, look, and then I encourage you to, Go to Daily Faceoff. They have a lineup tool on there. You can look at all the lineups from around the league and just compare the Sabers. Mm-hmm. It's it's a gap, and it's not. It's a pretty significant gap most of the time, especially when you consider. Yes, I know that fans see that. Hey, Cousins is talented. You know they've got some of these young players um, that have upside, but they're not even close to where they're going to be a few years from now, as long as they're healthy and their development goes the way that it should. Like cousins has been a top six role when like, he's a really raw player. There's a lot of talent there, but he's still figuring it out. Victor Olsen is the only, you know, I guess core guy, quote unquote on this team that has struggled to the point where I'm saying, "Eh, what's going on there. But we know that's tied to an injury, right? So The big thing for them is going to be get more talent on this team. And their their defense core has gotten a lot better since Samuelson and Fitzgerald have come come up, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know, yeah. their PK has gotten better with those guys getting more minutes. So they need to get Owen Power. They need to get, you know, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka. They need to add some guys via trade this offseason to fill out this roster. Because right now, Joe, like as much as – you know, they've got that good top line. Tuck's been good. They've got Thompson at center. They don't have enough right now. They just yeah. don't. It's uh, people are frustrated with it. And I, you know, I listen, I respect that. But uh, when you break down line by line on this team, they've got basically a line and a half. You know, that, that's really like as, as far as lines that you can bank on to be like, these guys are going to produce. We know that they're going to take care of business. It's really about between three to five guys that are consistent doing it right now. That's not to say Victor Olson isn't, you know, one of those guys he can be, but there's something up, you know, that's all we can chalk that up to. Um, And, you know, there's certainly a couple of other guys that are, you know, they've been injured all season. So we don't know what their deal is in middle stat. Um, Other guys that were doing very well before in like Hina he's been out for a while. Gergensen's he makes their defense better. Like these guys have been out of the lineup. So there's different things that have taken away from what has, you know, what contributes to making them better. But on the whole, like if the, if the top guys aren't all clicking at over a hundred percent, then they're going to have a, they're going to have a hard time. Like, and especially when your goaltending is terrible uh, with, I mean, let's, let's just face it. It's, it's bad, but um but that's not to make excuses for anybody. That's, but that's just, that's just painting, tr- painting the truth. Like it's just, they don't have enough. And the parts where they, that they need, you need most to be able to hang in games like this are, have been bad. Imagine where they would be if they didn't move Tate Thompson to center. Well, he's got 22 goals. He's been their top line center. And the gap between him and cousins is significant. Mm-hmm. The gap between Tate Thompson and Casey Middlestad is even more significant. Um, so that's a big piece of this. Like they don't have the depth anywhere right now to really keep up with a team like Dallas, like St. Louis. So you really can't evaluate Don Granato as a coach. Once they, they get closer to the point to where you think that, okay, this is when they should be competing. Now their lineup is where it's, it should be, or it's much closer to where it should be. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, let's see where the progress is at. But right now it's, you know, they have to put players in situations that they're not really capable of handling, you know, those responsibilities quite yet. 
You know, yeah. Jacob Bryson's playing on the right side. You know, he hasn't played poorly doing it the last couple of games. But, again, you're doing that in the NHL for the first time. That is yeah. a tough ask when you're facing teams like St. Louis and Dallas. It's a tough ask. Not only that, but, like, being a younger guy and a smaller guy, you know, which you can't help. That, that's fine. Yeah. But against Dallas, Dallas likes to hammer everybody. I mean, we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the the game and, you know, D- the Darlene's rookie season in Dallas where every shift Darlene was on the ice, they took runs at him and hammered him whenever they could because they knew he wanted to handle the puck. He wanted to do all this stuff because, you know, it was the house of the year. He's getting, you know, he, he was on the puck a lot. And every time he had it, he had to get rid of it immediately because he had one or two guys right on him. And one of them was definitely going to hammer him. And they kind of gave Bryson that similar treatment today because, hey, you know, listen, it's a guy that you think you can rattle and shake him up. And, you know, if he's a puck handler and you you get him a little bit jumpy, your day's going to get a lot easier because if that guy's coughing up the puck, well, his D partner's probably not the guy they want carrying it. So, you know, why not? You know, but they like these are the, the things you have to do. And I, I mean, honestly, figuring out whether or not Bryson's a guy is, is a good thing this year because, you know, you got to you got to know Like you, you don't have a choice. You got to know. That's why I like them calling a biro in the emergency situation, because you got to you got to have a look. You got to know. Um, but, but boy, you mentioned if they didn't have if the Tage didn't have the breakout this year, they have 40 points. They have a minus 52 goal differential. They're 29th in the NHL. New Jersey's past them. Philly's ahead of them by two. You know, these other these other teams are ahead of them. But like Seattle, Montreal, and Arizona are the teams underneath them. Montreal's won five in a row, and they're up to thirty three points, which is goofy on its own. Like how like think of how bad they were. Um, but now Arizona's last with thirty two points, and you're like, how close or worse is Buffalo without a twenty plus goal scorer? on your top line. Like how, how, how much worse off are they without that? Like, because the way Thompson's played, he makes stuff happen for tuck. He makes stuff happen for Skinner. Like, do, are those guys producing as well as they do without him taking that step? You know, if it's cousins on that top line, is he, you know, does he take that step? No, I think the answer is no to all of those questions. Yeah. What's wild about it is that Tage is still learning how to play center in the NHL, you know, like, when he was fighting it in the first period in the Dallas game, you know, you got to find a way to make an impact. And he wasn't, he was having trouble doing that. He was having trouble getting in a position to win wall battles. Like these are all things that he's going to get better at as he plays that position more in the NHL. And he's going to be in really difficult situations. The same can be said for, you know, we look at Matias Samuelson now that he's, he's not going back to Rochester. Matias Samuelson is an NHLer now. Mm -hmm. So and they're throwing him in the deep end. You know, he's their go-to defenseman on the penalty kill. Like, that's – there's going to be a lot of hiccups. There's going to be some – a lot of mistakes over the next, you know, what, two more months of the season. It, and you really won't know what the, the, the result of that is going to be. You're not going to really know. There's not going to be a tangible – evidence that these guys learn from those mistakes but it's it's going to be invaluable i mean we saw it with darlene it took him longer than some people would have wanted but think about how much he benefited from even late last season just playing under granado and being able to handle the puck more like he's capable of yeah it's those kinds of developments are are good to see honestly and you know as much as it hurts to see you know for fans to see it now better to have these kinds of things happen early on and not, you know, while they're in the middle of a you know, potential playoff race or, you know, more than that. And having these guys, you know, having little hiccups here and there and just being like, boy, I wish they were a little bit more refined. It's like, well, you know, you have a year where you'd get kicked in the teeth every night. That that's where you learn. Put, put Owen power in the lineup, put Paterka, put Quinn and Joe. I mean, they could win the lottery again. Yeah. You know, if they finish like there's it's conceivable that not only could they win the lottery, but they if they don't win the lottery, they could be p- picking top three and look at the draft. It's pretty encouraging. They got three yeah. first round picks. They got a lot of ammunition to get, you know, if you want to add to your prospect pipeline or make a trade like there's mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of possibilities here. They got a ton of cap space. So, again, like you said, the expectation was always going to be this is going to be a rough one. But in a lot of ways, 
this is a lot better of a rough season than the Sabres have had in how long? Because at least there's a reason behind this. Right. You know? <laughs> it's not like, you know, they don't have Eichel and Reinhardt and, and those no. guys running out there and they're this low. And it's just like, wow, we've got two star players and we suck ass again. Like maybe. They're not they're not spending to the cap and finishing 32nd. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They're not taking LTIR money and, and you know, spending it to get, you know, Michael Froelich to get him on yeah. the roster, you know, like. Okay, I guess I guess that's you know. See, there's always a bright side. People don't want to see it, and the bright <laughs> side might be like staring directly into the sun, but it's there, and that's that's a good part of it. Um, you were, you know, I, I don't want to tip our hand on everything that we were talking ahead of time, but um, Thompson scores against Dallas, and I'm thinking I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking like, well, that's good to see. And like most of the team was neutralized for that whole game. And, you know, Dallas was playing very tight defensively there. You know, the whole neutral zone was like a swamp to get through. Yeah. You know, guys having the patience to get through that is really tough. And it's a lot tougher when it's a young team. And there was something that was going on there. wasn't there Lance, like after the, after the game, at least with, with how it was handled, how it was handled. It was interesting to me. It's the second time in 10 days that Don Granato went out of his way to basically said to basically say that his top line needed to be better. Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck. Now, when you look at the final numbers, I think Tuck, I think that his course, he was like 77%. But he was, mm-hmm. Granato was speaking specifically to the first period when they had a really rough start and they needed somebody to get them going. And the thing is, I think, one, sending a message. And what Granado says to the media hasn't already been said to the players. Those three know that Granado wants more out of them. And the reason for that is, unlike the Cousins line, unlike the Middlestad line, you could really say there's no excuse for that top three to not be driving play consistently. One, because Tage Thompson has shown he's pretty darn good and he's got to figure out ways when you're not feeling it right away to make an impact in other in other areas of the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously Skinner has been in the league for 12 years at this point. And Alex Tuck is, you know, he's been a contributor. He's played in Stanley cup finals, played a lot of games, you know, at, at a pretty young age. So they need to be the engine for this team on nights when everybody doesn't have it. And there's going to be a lot of nights like that. So mm-hmm. fair or unfair, you know, I, I got to hand it to Granado a little bit for saying, Hey guys, like we really need you here. Right. Cause if, if, you know, there's a reason why Cousins line Cousins line isn't going because Dylan's still young. He's still figuring it out. And Casey's, you know, obviously not playing at 100% right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I'm looking through some of the uh, the fancy stat numbers here. And, like, they got outshot 16 to – or, yeah, 16 to 5 in the first period. Dallas blocked more shots, Sabres shots, than the, shot, than the Sabres got shots on goal that first period. But then after that, it was pretty strong and strongly in favor of Buffalo – after the first period, especially the third period, but you know, score effects being what they are and whatnot. But, um, but each line, like the, the worst line was Olofsson, Middlestat and Krebs, as far as, you know, generating shot attempts, but like everybody else was pretty, was either level or really good. So, you know, I, I, I get, I get making an example of your top line because listen, if that line isn't going, this team is not scoring any goals. At least, you know, you know, maybe the off chance every now and again they will. But if that line ain't going, then they're not going anywhere to do anything like they're they're not having they're not ending that night on a high without them. And to me, it's really interesting to have Don kind of jump on him a bit there. Some might look at it and say that it's unfair. Like, you know, what do you expect? Like, of course, they're going to be loading up against him, blah, 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 blah. But also, like, I don't know, it's good preparation. You know, that's good preparation for down the road, but also you know, you got to know how these guys are going to respond when a team is is playing defensively that way. Like that's, you know, you got to kind of push buttons and be like, listen, I know it stinks out there. We know it's a, it's a slog to get through the neutral zone to do anything. You know, you know, I don't, he doesn't want guys to dump and chase. Like that's for, that's for damn sure. But like, you know, some, some nights you're going to have like that. You got to find another, a different gear, not another gear, but just a different gear. But it's, it's very interesting that that he's you know he's taking that time to kind of say like hey we need more from those guys yeah and, and you know I, I don't know I, I 
they're, they're still getting their points, but I don't know if I, I, I'm going to guess that Don's looking at those points as like empty calories. In a, in a game like that, you need where it's really tough sledding at the start, you need any of your four lines to be an energy line and to, and to really, and to really set an example to, to get some zone time. And in a lot of ways that creates confidence for the group. And unfortunately for the Sabres, it was the Eakin line that was doing that for the first half of the game. They, those were the guys that were playing with a lot of energy. They were, they were winning battles in the four check mm-hmm. and you know, Hey, good for them. That was their best game as a, as a trio by far, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the same impact on the bench and the entire group. If it's coming from the fourth line, as opposed to that top line, because yeah. again, the rest of the other, the other guys in that top nine, I, I'm not going to even list them off because everybody knows who I'm referring to. They're going to be playing more of a style like Thompson, Tuck, and Skinner. So mm-hmm. set an example. Show show the rest of the group what we need to do to play well against the Stars because you know what? Like what's working for their Eakin and those guys, it's not the same formula. We need the, the rest of the group, the Cousins line, the middle stat line, to follow you. Like get us going. Do something. Yeah. Because, you know, as – even though Thompson's learning at the NHL, like those three, they're capable of being a really, really good, you know, top group. You know, when they're on their game, we've seen it. And I'll I'll give Cody Eakin some credit. That was a pretty nice goal. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty damn nice goal for him to score to score. But it's it's a little tough when you know with with those with those three guys. Like you can you can take parts of them and throw it together and put together one really good you know, checking, checking forward, energy forward, like, you know, Eakin with his, you know, the, he's good at four checking. He's good at faceoffs. Uh, you know, that that's, that's his department. Um, John Hayden, he's, you know, he's a dog on dog on pucks, dog on guys. Like he's, you know, he's hard in the corners, you know, all the classic, you know, 200 hockey men stuff that, that they like. And Anders Bjork's got good speed. If he gets a shot away or two, like that's nice. You know, obviously he's getting, getting the opportunity to shoot on a line like that is going to be kind of rare. Um, but like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not your ideal group. They need Gergensen's, but like at the same point, you know, if that's like you said, if that's your best line, you're having a bad game. Yeah. And when you're looking at this group going into next season, right. I mean, it's too soon to say if Paterka and Quinn are going to be ready to make the jump just based on how much time Quinn has missed. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to build a better bottom six. Who knows if if Olson's going to be part of, of of that group or what the plan is with him? But when you're looking at that fourth line, I understand in theory why Jordan Hayden is playing almost every game, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is one of those guys that isn't getting scratched because he's hard on the four check. You know, he brings speed. Unlike Brett Murray, you know, Brett Murray has some of those intangibles, the strength, being able to four check doesn't have that speed like Hayden does. Yeah. No, but Hayden doesn't have that offensive touch that they need. You need to be able to roll four lines. And that's a big area that has been overlooked. Gergensen's, Gergensen's, as much as people didn't like that contract for what it is and what he does defensively and what he can bring on the on the forecheck, you need guys like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do wonder what Kevin Adams' plan is because you have to build a real fourth line. You know, you can't yeah. – it's more difficult to develop that internally. You know, go out and get guys who can, can add some jam – like old school hockey terms on here. And that's why I didn't like them. I didn't like them losing Curtis Lazar in that Taylor Hall trade. Cause that's the type of guy you want on your fourth line. Yeah. Yeah. Lazar seemed like a pretty perfect guy to have in that role. And especially when they parted ways with Larson, it was just kind of like, Oh, well this guy's, you know, that we, it, it seemed like at the time when they let Larson walk that they're like, well, they got Lazar now. So they're good. And then Lazar was gone and was like, okay, they're not good there anymore. Like they need, you need some guys to, to, to fill in that role. And like, you know, a lot of like the, a lot of people will look at those fourth lines and just kind of like roll their eyes at it and be like, no, what do you need a good one for? It's like, well, you do. <laughs> Cause you need, you need teams. look at the good playoff teams. That right. Go you know, it, it's very rare to find a team that has four lines that are all buzz saws that can score. Like that's, that's so rare. Like I, maybe, maybe like the, uh, the Pittsburgh teams from like 17, 18, you know, like Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessler on your third line. And it's like, 
neat. That's the fastest line in hockey, and they're the third line. Well, no wonder why they're scoring a bunch because they're taking advantage of everybody. Because who else has a th- who else who else has a fast third line? Literally nobody. You know, and you know you get good role players, and you can do that. But um, but they're missing they're missing a role player. They're missing Zemgus, which is weird to say that they're missing Zemgus, but they really are. Like he's you know I. Listen, people are like kind of coming out, coming out of the coming out of the woods to talk about how like, no, actually, I think Zemgus is a pretty good player. And it's like some of us have been there already. Some of us have been waiting for you to, to find your way out to figure out like, oh, yeah, no, he's actually good at what he does. You know, listen, the contract stunk, I guess. But like for what he does, I don't know. Two million okay. for what he does is fine. We were talking and we speak. I know you and I speak about Gergensen's the same way that we talk about Johan Larson and for as much grief as Larson got in Buffalo, there's a reason why contenders are still calling Arizona right now to try to get Johan Larson, even though he's injured, because he's Mm -hmm. the type of player that you need fourth line guys like that, you know, in the playoffs, you know, Mm -hmm. to be a good team. And a lot of it's because of games like against Dallas, you know, you you need as much as they were getting that zone time early, those Mm -hmm. guys, they're not, they're not going to be able to finish as much. So you need right. better fourth lines. You need you need to convert at some point. And Eakin did, you know, later in the game. But mm-hmm. you know, you need some more offense from that group for it's, sure. It's funny that it's funny that I I I bet I can guess why why teams would be calling Larson, and I bet it's all Western Conference teams. Yeah. And not Edmonton because they all want to get somebody that can deal with Connor McDavid and do it well because Larson's been. Everybody's got their counterpart counterpart that it's it doesn't seem very explainable how they get their number you know i I, you'd see it in baseball where like what was it like luis soho owned pedro martinez made zero sense but like Mm -hmm. why is this slap hitting middle infielder batting you know four four ten against one of the greatest pitchers in in you know in history like that makes no sense you know seeing guys that have just success against great players and just being like i don't I don't understand how this works. That's kind of how it works with Larson on McDavid because he gets right up in his, he gets up in his kitchen and then he doesn't leave. And then he, then after the whistle blows, he's just yapping at him or, you know, growling at him, whichever, <laughs> whatever angry Larry wants to do, he'll do. But it's, uh, but like, that's, that's what he does. That's what he's really good at. You know, every time you'd see some, we would see him snap it. Somebody would snap at him. We're just like, well, he's got him now. Because like, <laughs> because that whatever he's done, he's now gotten under their skin, and they're not going to focus because they're going to be too busy trying to get back at him. Even beyond results over the next two months, way beyond results, I want to see how different how certain players are deployed. You know, whether it's lines, whether it's position. I'm really curious about what they're going to do with Paterka. How soon until we see him in Buffalo? Because I think it's coming to the point where I want to see what he can do in the NHL for more than a game or two. Mm-hmm. But Joe, that brings me to, to Middlestad. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. I don't like, I didn't like the way he looked the last in the St. Louis game or the Dallas game. I don't, it, he's not moving the way that we know Casey's capable of moving. He just looks, he, he looks like he's still playing through it. And mm-hmm. I, I respect him gutting it out. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that Don Granado wants to put Casey in at center and, hey, you know, throw him, in, throw him in the deep end, make him adjust as he goes. But it's come to the point where he, the way that he's moving, the lack of, of speed sometimes, I just think that it makes a, a lot more sense to put him at left wing. This isn't a long-term thing. You know, whether it's five games, whether it's 10 games, until he just gets back to himself a little bit because you got Peyton Krebs. And Peyton Krebs, in my opinion, looked pretty good at center when he was there before Middlestad came back. Yeah, it's – I feel I feel a lot of sympathy for, for Casey because yeah. it's it's been a brutal year, you know, with the, the injury stuff, which I – you know, we don't even still really know what happened there. You know, like that's – you know, typical Sabres, I guess, at this point. But seeing that and then, you know, him coming back and then him not looking at all like what even we saw before, like he doesn't even look remotely close to that. You know, you know whether it's rust from, you know, coming back or, or what have you, but like all the stuff that makes him a good player has not been there. Like the, there's no jump to his game. There's no, you know, he's not really attacking the net. He's not attacking in the offensive zone at all. And defensively, he looks very 
very out of out of the water because he's you know there, there's you know a couple of goals I could think of just the last couple of games where it was just like Casey's had a rough night. You know, he's I, not playing with confidence. He's no. not. And when, especially when you're playing on the road, you're gonna be facing really tough matchups. You're, come on. I, I just you're you're putting him in a really tough spot. And as much as I'm sure Casey wants to just figure it out, and he, there's you know, mm-hmm. he wants to get back there at center, put him at left wing for at least a few games and let him get back get, especially on a line with Krebs who can get him the puck, you know, in space and, and try mm-hmm. to get him some confidence going, you know, and. Maybe a day off on Monday will help. You, you just got to try something. I don't think running him, continuing to run him out there is a solution at this point. I really don't. After what I saw in St. Louis and Dallas in particular. Yeah, I mean, of the entirety of his career, you could probably argue those were his two, the two worst games he's played as a Saber. And you know, considering where they've been and where they've come from, that's that's kind of saying a lot, <laughs> especially in that regard. But it's it's very hard to watch when guys are in, are are out there and you know they've been dealing with something and you don't know if they're still dealing with something, and the way they play, you're looking at it and going like, no, they're still dealing with something. It's, it's same thing for him and like him and Olafson both were, you know, something's not right. We don't know what it is, and then we have to wait till the end of the season to find out maybe what it is. You know, that that's that's the part that drives me nuts. Like that's like just be honest about it for crying out loud. Like no. I know we, we discussed this weeks ago about the injury secrecy stuff, but like treating it like a state secret and that like other teams are going to come out like assassins and attack like whatever, whatever injury they had is insane to me. <laughs> like, you know, to think that like some guy's going to come out, like, it, you know, some guy's coming back from a head injury. You think somebody's going to come out and like elbow him in the face or something? Like, no, nobody's doing that stuff. Like, Players in the heat of the moment do dumb stuff, but they respect each other for the most part, you know, unless, you know, there's a handful of guys that don't, but, you know, like, just, just tell us what's wrong, you know, and if it is something that can be handled easier through, you know, further medical work, just do it because these guys aren't getting anything out of playing when they're, if they're, if they're banged up and if they're, you know, because it takes away from the confidence, everything that they're good at goes away. When, when they're, if, if they're in a position like that, now that's, you know, that's not to say that that is what's happening, but I mean, I think if, if they're not hurt and they are playing like this, that's, that's a hundred times worse. Yeah. With Casey, just, again, we don't know what the injury was, but based on what he said, based on what I've heard, it sounds like it's not something that's going to affect him long-term. It's just something that right now it's, it's, he's having trouble playing through it. And either you sit or you do something different. I would not continue to put him out there at center. And when it comes to Olsen, Joe, I know we actually didn't talk about this beforehand, but I found it very interesting that Olsen's name is certainly in trade rumors, given the fact that he's mm-hmm. a RFA this summer. The arbitration figure is going to be like $4.5 million, which is going to scare teams off. Elliot Friedman already said that the New York Rangers called about Olsen and immediately backed off because of that arbitration figure. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who would trade for Victor Olson at this point for anything of value. Just, it would be a huge gamble on both sides because the Sabres mm-hmm. aren't going to get it, you know, even close to what they would if Olson was healthy. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, <laughs> it's weird that this like eluded our, our thoughts to begin with, because the whole thing about Olson being maybe available is, should be a bigger deal. Because, you know, you know we, we've gone over their other trade candidates and, like, nothing's really too stellar. Olsen's the only one that's got some zing to it, you know, for real. But with the way he's looked this year, you're talking about moving a guy at his absolute lowest value. And, like, what what are you accomplishing if you if you move him for that? Like, the whole arb, the arbitration number thing is, like, if it's something where the Sabres are scared about that number, why are you scared? You're, 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 you're going to be barely above the floor again next year. Like there's no reason to worry about it. now if it's, you know, just to be definitive and draw a line, be like, well, this guy we think is only worth this much and we're never going to, we're not going to pay a dollar more. Like, okay, cool. I guess like you can do it that way, but also that's really dumb. And why would any player want to go play for your team? If you're going to handle stuff that way, they're it's trying to get a good reputation now, you know? Especially on a one-year deal. It's not yeah. like the Allmark situation. They didn't want to pay Linus Allmark because it was term. Yeah, he wanted term, and 
the cap figure was five plus. Okay, I understand that, right? You don't think he's worth that? Fine, whatever. But with Olsen, one-year deal, and look down the organizational depth chart. Right now, you don't have enough on the wing. You don't. You don't. It's too difficult. It's too soon to predict when Paterka can really help you and deliver top six contribution. Jack Quinn's injury stuff this year, he's going to be fine. But again, that that slows development a little bit. You know, he's missing very valuable games. You're going to need talent on this roster. You're not going to be able to attract free agents. The trade market can be tricky, especially if you're not willing to move first round picks, which I don't think Kevin Adams is going to be at that point quite yet. You know, especially when you got Quinn and Paterka, it wouldn't make sense to throw away a first to get maybe short term help. So they're almost going to have to gamble on Olsen, in my opinion, just hope it works out. Because like you said, his value has never been lower. It's a guy who scored 20 goals in the league a couple of years ago, and he wants to be in Buffalo. Like, it really yeah. checks all the boxes other than the fact that it's very obvious this injury, whether it's still affecting him physically or this is just still a mental thing as part of his game, mm-hmm. it's a thing, right? right? This isn't just a player who has fallen off the face of the earth for no reason. It's a uh, – imagine – making a big deal about we want guys who want to be here. And then you move one of the guys that wants to be here. Like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, that, that would be very typical old sabers. Like that's, that's when like the old stereotypes come back and be like, yeah, see, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed here. This is stupid. Like why, why do I even bother? Why, why do I care about the team? Like that's when that discussion starts to happen with fans, because then you're just like, what, the, what do we even care? Like, what, what is what is even the point of this? If if you're going to have a guy that's good who may or may not be playing with an injury that is affecting what he does the best, and then he wants to stay there, and then you're like, no, nah, we don't want to go to arbitration with him. He has that option, but we really don't want to because we don't want to pay him whatever the middle point is between his ask and what the Sabres will ask because you have to assume it's not going to be great coming off the season and Victor's going to be like, yeah, well, the, the breadth of my career says I'm worth this much. Meet me in the middle somewhere. And, you know, because it makes me, you know, I I had to listen to, I had to listen to Nathan Gerby's segment on Spit and Checklist because I, because he was going to be dishing on, you know, old Sabres dirt. And I was like, well, I got to hear what he's going to say. It was a fantastic interview. It really yeah. was. And, you know, if, for those who may not remember, he was bought out by the Sabres for, what was it, 900000 I think was his buyout. Like, it wasn't even a million. And they bought him out just because they were just like, nah, we don't have room for him anymore. Yeah, we don't want him. Like, he's a guy who wanted to play in Buffalo, who loved playing in Buffalo, who thrived playing in Buffalo, and then bought him out via email. <laughs> like, not even a call from the from Darcy Regeer. He gets, a, he gets an email from the team, and he's like, wait, is this for real? Okay, and he calls his agent. The agent's like, no, I don't think you're getting bought out. And ten minutes later, the agent calls back, Yeah, you're getting bought out. Sorry. Like, that's th- when we talk about old Sabers nonsense. That's that's a big one. Like that, and you know, suspending Tepo Newman for having a heart condition. Like those are like two of the big ones that really stand out to me. But but like, if you're doing that to, if you're gonna do that to Olsen, and you're just gonna be like, Yeah, we're gonna move him because we don't want to deal with the arbitration or. You know, whatever, whatever the reason is, if we're just going to move him, move a guy who wants to be here, that's a big deal that they, you know, they want guys that want to be here. If you're going to move a guy because it's just like, nah, I think we're over him. Like, come on, like you're over. You might be over him, but like, what are you replacing him with? He worked. And like, if you're talking about the difference of a million dollars, I would, if I'm the Sabres, I bet that million dollars that Victor Olsen bounces back just based on how hard he works and mm-hmm. he's a proven NHL player 20 goals is, is it's it's a deal it's a big deal you know right. it, it's it's hard to do I know 11 of those I believe were on the power play that season That's and it fine. certainly helped playing with Eichel and Reinhardt at that point sure but still got a score his shot is it's special yeah mm-hmm. it, does he need to become a better well-rounded player sure Right, but he right. does something that they currently don't have. They don't have anybody who. Do you see anybody on their on either power play unit who score who scores goals with a shot like that? Because I don't. No. And it certainly looks no. like they're going to give up on R two Rutzelainen because I don't see him really getting any sort of opportunity with this team in the NHL right now, no matter how well he plays down in Rochester. So, mm-hmm. you you got to have guys who can put the puck in the back of the net. And right now, if they let Olsen watch out, I don't know where the goals are going to come from in the secondary scoring because. Are we going to be talking about development again a year from now? You know, like, yeah, 
And not only that, but we are now, but it's like, he, he was, you think of all the, the, the check marks for like a great Buffalo story guy picked in the seventh round comes around, you know, after, you know, playing three years in Sweden, you know, comes in the same year as, you know, the number one pick from Sweden played on the same team as Darlene. And then it's just like, Hey, you know, he's really good. And he scored a lot of, you know, he led the SHL in scoring last year and, you know, he's, he's really good. And then Darlene tells you like how good his shot is. And you're like, okay, well, let's see how good it is. And then we see how good it is right away. And it's like, wow, we may have found something. A team who, de- who hasn't found anything beyond the first round in the last like 15 years finally gets something from a guy from the last round. And then they're like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Eh, we, we don't really need, we could have all these shiny parts coming in, you know, but like the first sign of trouble, they're like, dump them. Like, yeah, that, that, that doesn't like that to me screams old sabers. That's not what, that's not what Kevin Adams has been like really hammering on about. And plus, if you're going to try to replace him on the power play, who's the only other guy that, that plays right now that has a shot that's even, even in the same. Ocposo is the only other one who's actually scored on the power play with a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Tage, Tage doesn't have the one timer down yet. He misses on yeah. it too often. So mm-hmm. I'm putting Ocposo is the only one who has been a threat with his shot consistently. Right. And you're not, you know, and no, you know, I'm not sliding Kyle Pozo at all, but this in this, but like, I don't think of him as the guy that you're, te- you know, putting in that one timer spot in the circle to, to rip it past the goalie. That's not like Tage is a guy that I think that could be doing that. But again, you're right. The accuracy is just not there. And like, he loves ripping that shot. I mean, he, and it looks terrifying when he takes one because he's such a, you know, he's a huge dude with like, you know, giant arms swinging at you. Like that's crazy. But like, if it's not accurate, then it doesn't matter at that point. Like if you're ripping around the glass on the power play, well, whatever, like, you're, you just helped him clear it. But, um, but yeah, I mean like that takes away a weapon and that's, that's no good and get the guy right. Then you have your weapon back. Like that's the they're whole thing. Not, they're not far along in this rebuild to give up on players like Victor Olsen. They don't have enough yet. They don't. And it's mm-hmm. not like they're going out and getting any sort of asset that's going to be a factor long-term if you need to fill a hole whether it's right shot defense or another goalie go about it a different way you, mm-hmm. you just can't trade a player like that and segue we love those on on maintenance day podcast show i see people who already want to trade kyle Ocposo because kyle Ocposo is on a 20 goal pace mm-hmm. and people are suggesting the sabers eat as much salary as possible throw in draft picks I'm sorry. This no. team is, is much better when Kyle Lockposo is in the lineup, and that's a credit yeah. to him for all yes. for for how he's really evolved his game at this that this stage of his career. Yeah, it's it's really impressive to see what Kyle's done this year. I mean, given everything that he's had to put up with, you know, from you know the head injury stuff, to, you know, being in the hospital, not knowing if he was going to be able to play again because of all the issues, and then you know even before the injury issues came up, like having to deal with, you know, the, the criticisms that come with signing a big contract like that and just being like, Oh, he's not fulfilling his end of the deal. Blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, the, the fact that, you know, for, for two years, he was used in a fourth line role and excelled at it. Like just being the ultimate adaptable guy where he's, you know, where the solution for him was like, Hey, Kyle, we want you to forecheck like a madman and hit everything you see. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm in. And now he's turned. Now it's like, hey, Kyle, we need you to be like the guy that can balance out our offense, like in the middle of the lineup somewhere. Like, do you mind doing that? And he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. I like goals. Like, that's you can't ask for more from a guy, especially for a guy that they they put in a position to be a leader on the team, to 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 do this. Like, it's very impressive. He puts he's put a lot on his shoulders from like a leadership perspective, and he's been so good for Dylan Cousins. Like those two together, Dylan. It just seems so much more comfortable when he has Kyle on on his wing. And, you know, no matter what the game is, what the score is, you know that Kyle Ocposo is going to give – the effort's always there, you know, mm-hmm. and he's really hard on the forward check, which this team doesn't have enough guys like that. You know, and it, and I guarantee you a year, from, a year from now, when it's the last year of his contract, you know, there's going to be a conversation to see if, if Kyle wants to go chase – 
chase a cup, go be on a playoff team. That's mm-hmm. the time to go do that. Until then, I don't even want to have the conversation because of how important he is to this group. Because, yeah, this is all about development. Great. But you need to insulate that young core with the right people, the right players. You still need mm-hmm. talent. You still need guys who can help you win some some games, as we talked about. And we saw with the last core is better, you know, with a lack of a better way of putting it, losing too much is detrimental. And if you don't surround surround young players like Cousins and Middlestad and Thompson with enough, you know, good NHLers, you're not going to get good results. It's it's going to slow developments. You need guys like Kyle Arposo around. Yeah. And again, that falls into the same category of guy who wants to be here, loves being here and enjoys being here and hasn't complained publicly anyways, one bit about everything that he's witnessed here you know like he's if he wanted to open up and just start burying different parts of the organization or different players or whatever he's had more than plenty of opportunities to do so if he wanted to but he hasn't because he's just that dude and he's you know like that's again that's what it's everything that you're looking for 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 building this team and you know to fulfill your own talking points you know on it like you know the fact the guy lives here in the off season should tell you enough right there that like the guy likes being here. And if he wants like next year, if, if they go, they come to him and they say, listen, Kyle, you know, we may have an opportunity to move you to a contender. Are you interested or not? Because we'll, you know, we'll tell him, we'll tell everybody he's, he's not available. If, if you don't want, like leave it up to him. And like, honestly, it should be up to him anyways. You know, it's the last year of the deal. If he wants to go to, you know, some team that's going to have a chance at a cup, let him you know, get the deal done. And like, obviously if you can cash in and get a nice return on it, even better, like that's great. But I wouldn't, he's one of the last guys I would be in a hurry to, to put on a bus out of town just because this team's in a very peculiar position where it's so young for the, and the the guys coming up that are so young are so vital to what they're going to want for the future. Yeah. I'm holding on to him even over guys, like even over Mark Pissick, for example, because I think you can, upgrade over Pisic talent wise when it comes to Ocposo realistically you're you're really going to need him you know for a number of different reasons the fact that he you know he plays a position that they're going to be pretty short on potentially mm-hmm. and let's say for example even if Jack Quinn is ready to step in and play on the second line Paterka's ready Kyle Ocposo would be very good in no, any role he can play up or down the lineup his versatility mm-hmm. is really invaluable he's good on the penalty kill good on the power play like you know, again, credit to him. One of the best, like, professionals I've been around in sports. Like, just a really good guy. Like, gets it. And I know that that's a cliche, and, you, and reporters say it all the time, but it really is. It's very true with him, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, it's, it's so rare to have somebody that, that that has a good handle on it that also really enjoys it, too. You know, I mean, you know, everybody's got their days where it's just like, I don't want to talk about anything. But, like, Kyle won't say no ever like if you need him he's there for you like he's not a guy that's gonna like slink out of the room and be like all right everybody else can handle this they they got they got they got this one they don't need me today like it's not like that like if you need if you need to talk to him about anything like he's there he'll he'll answer your questions he'll give you thoughtful responses and then you know once the recorder's off you can just kind of shoot the breeze with him and you know ask him about how crappy the vikings are or something you know like or you know i he I always valued guys that I could talk NBA stuff with in the room because there were so few guys that, you know, so few people around Buffalo really that, that really True. get down with the NBA. Um, but like seeing some of the hockey players being into it, I was like, okay, cool. I can, I can run stuff by, by these guys, you know, like Kyle, you know, Kyle was, a, he's a big Jordan guy. He was a big Michael Jordan guy, which, you know, that's, that's a good uh, generation delineation there because, you know, like, you know, Eichel loved Kobe. Like he, you know, he loved what Kobe did. And I think Risto was a Risto. What was he? Um, he's an NBA fan. I, yeah. I, I don't know if he's got a team really. I think he's just a, I think he's a LeBron guy. Cause I think okay. that him and I think him and Kyle actually had an argument about who, who was better, <laughs> which I would love to see that argument in person. Oh man. Just, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's perfect. Marco Scandella was also another big NBA guy. Holy crap, he loved the NBA. That dude, that that dude, I could talk crap about basketball with him forever because he, you know, he wasn't a team guy, but he was a he was a different player guy. 
Like he loved Kobe, he loved LeBron. Uh, I don't know if he was a big Jordan guy or not. Like that, I think that's where those generations kind of get a little different where, you know, where Jordan was at the end of things. And then it's just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, not like old guys like me that are just like, Hey, I remember Michael's rookie year. What year was that? Shut up. That's what year it was. That's what year it was. But yeah. Um, and even Zemgus, like he became, he had a soft spot for the Mavericks for a little bit when Porzingis was playing, uh, playing there. Cause it was, you know, the whole Latvian thing. And then when he got to the Knicks, I remember there was a photo with Gergensen's and Porzingis um, at MSG one time. And, you know, Zemgus, not a tall, di- tall guy, but Porzingis is like seven feet tall and towered over Zemgus still. Like that's, you know, I need crazy. to see this photo. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it exists somewhere. It's, it's gotta be someplace, but, um, but yeah, that, that, but that's, that's a real sidetrack conversation. Lance, we've already hit an hour and we were worried we were not going to be able to, to really cover a lot of bases here, but I think we did. And I think we can we can put stuff in our pocket for next week. Yeah, let's put that on. We have one more topic we talked we spoke about. Let's pocket that one. I think that's a good one for next week. Um, yeah, we won't tell you what it is either, fans, because surprises are good too. Plus, hey, we're gonna have three, four more games. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, and next. Oh. Okay. Next Sunday, we get to – well, Sunday when we record, of course, so we'll get to talk about reunion week, which will be Sam and oh, Jack baby. returning to Buffalo, which for so many reasons, I cannot, <laughs> <laughs> cannot wait to see this. Oh, my goodness. the first one. I can't be believe it's already crazy. here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. conference is going to be quite hilarious. I can't wait. Or it won't because you know. yeah, right. Jack will be just like, yeah, good, moved on. Jack plus, be, plus Jack, if Vegas keeps losing, they're one and four with Jack now. If they keep losing, Jack's gonna be oh, he's gonna be in really bad mood, really pissy. Like, he's he's usually really good in these situations. Like when Jack needs to like talk and needs to say what people want to hear, like he can do it. I think that he'll you know as long as Vegas wins a couple of games between now and then. Um, it's the Sam one that I'm. Yeah. Yeah, that one I might have to dial in on the Zoom for that one just to just to see what happens. See what shakes loose. See see Sam. I I'm really curious how Sam's going to handle that, honestly, cuz he could be complete shit-eating grin just like "What's up, fellas? Yeah, I heard you talking shit. Guess what? I'm going to get 90 points this year and go to the playoffs and Kiss my whole ass, please. I, I talked to him in Florida earlier this season, and it was just, <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's the that's the best way I could describe the conversation. Whatever. Oh, yeah, okay. It was fine. He just didn't have much to say. Like, he just didn't want to say anything about it. Yeah, it's fair. Well, I and mean, that, that's probably then, more likely what will happen this time. And at that point, he, he hadn't been on the terror that he's on now. Like, that was before he had been really – he was getting moved around the lineup a lot. Now he's got a really consistent spot and he's been everything that they hoped he would be. So yeah. good for him. Good yeah, for no, him. Ab- absolutely good for him. And you know what? Yeah. He doesn't have to say anything. The The numbers speak for themselves. You know, he, pl- like- he wanted out and he played his way out. I, mm-hmm. I gotta, you know what? It's one thing to request a trade and go and, and not perform. But like the dude was, uh, he played, he was really good last year. Really mm-hmm. good. You know, yeah. and he got himself to a team he wanted to be on. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard to hate living in Florida. You know, like that's. I wouldn't want to. I mean, um, same. But like yeah, the nice weather funny. when it's the worst weather up north, like that's true. That's nice. You get to be like you get to be a professional snowbird when you're a hockey player in Florida. Like that's that's pretty good. He gets Even like. He gets to spend his summers in Vancouver and the rest of the year in Florida. That's a pretty good combination, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? I've changed my opinion. Sam can go to hell. <laughs> I I am so jealous. So jealous. Oh, man. Well, well listen, I that's at least, I, I think that's a more justifiable reason to be like, man, screw you, Sam. <laughs> your good life and your cool places to be and neat stuff and money, jerk. Like, you know. <laughs> feel like i'm brian fantana stupid panda jerk you know like whatever anyways that (laughs) i think i think it took us 12 episodes but we did not mention ralph kruger until i did just this moment (laughs) 
I I tiptoed around it. I didn't want to say it by name because I thought it was like the Candyman kind of well, thing. Like, well, we can we can just go through. But <laughs> so, tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh, on social media and whatnot. Well, yeah, my 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 comedy. Like, don't look for that, please. That's that's a bad thing to look for. But for me on Twitter, you can find me uh, at Joe Yerdon, J O E Y E R D O N at Noted Hockey on Substack at Die by the Blade on SB Nation at other podcasts that I will not mention for for my own purposes, but you can find them in my Twitter profile. So that's where it is. Lance, I, I, I'm going to be done talking. Please tell the people where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I and the Buffalo News in print, online, Google it. Um, however you find websites, type in the URL, I you know, whichever works for me. But you know, thanks for everybody for listening telling us how much you like it. Um, if you don't like our podcast, don't tell us. We don't yeah. want to hear about it. And still no. leave us a five-star rating. Yes, yeah. Tell us five-star rating, and then the comment is, they stink and I hate them. Like, that's, that you get, you get, we get the best of that, and then you also get to, to rip on us. So that's, that's pretty good. Let us down Listen, easy. Yeah, that's right. We're about compromise here on the Maintenance Day podcast. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will, uh, we'll catch you again uh, next week. Uh, next Monday, and I don't know if I don't know if Lance will be in an exotic location next week or not. But um, home game next Sunday. Oh, well, exotic Buffalo, exotic downtown Buffalo. That's that's perfect. Anyways, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening.